Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 72. This marks the end of the regular season, and we are into playoff football. Some of the most exciting football that we will see this year, and we are going to talk about it today. Uh, first and foremost, I have my co-hosts with me, Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Shout out to Durgan for winning the, the picks of the regular season. He, oof, he secured oof. that one seed. He's got a buy, and uh, <laughs> he's rolling right now. So he, uh, he was 171 and 83. So congratulations to Durgan. We'll get you a little mini trophy or uh, of some something of some sort to, high, to celebrate your victory. A social distance high five. Um, the picks were the only thing this year that went right for me football wise. So uh, at least I had that, I guess, going for me. But first episode 2021, even though I still feel like 2020 with all this COVID crap going on. But hey, you know, playoffs are here. That's good news. It yeah. is always good news right um for those of you who don't know we've been keeping track of every single game this season and and who we've picked to win or lose and um that's what casey's referring to so durgan has picked the most correct marginally though i will say casey was close, close to second yeah. um it was, it was it was one in, week in third but <laughs> <laughs> it was like week six or yeah. like you got like no right casey yeah. and i got all of them right and that was it like that, that was legitimately uh, nope. the entire season right there one big dud and yep. uh you like know, college, it stuck with me the rest like of the year like college football one bad weekend and you're out yeah yep. or if you're if you're a blue blood though they'll still put you in the college yeah. football playoff so. unless you're Notre Dame. yeah oh, god so let's figure this out live on air i guess we're not on air we're doing a podcast but let's figure it out right now the playoffs are we compiling on top of sort of what we've already had or are we i mean we can't really do that right we, we got to start fresh start sort fresh. of a new bracket in our okay. picks yeah yep. i agree yeah. start fresh. how about durgan can start with plus one since he won the regular okay. season he I'll starts with plus one pick and then I don't, uh, uh, you don't like that how about this <laughs> if if it's a tie at the end like if i'm tied for first yeah there you go i he win gets the tiebreaker okay fair i'll take that i'll take that Anyways, let's let's move on here. So today we're going to talk about some interesting NFL news, some controversial NFL news. Um, we're going to talk about the games, of course, the playoff matchups. We're not really going to dive into winners and losers because at this point, I mean, it's pretty clear who's a winner and loser. The winners are in the playoffs. The losers are at home watching the playoffs. So nothing to, to kind of dive into there. But um, we're excited to talk about these matchups. There's some exciting ones. There's a few uh, that may not be as exciting, but uh, we're going to review them all for you and dive into those. First, let's talk about some news. We have some uh, coaches being fired. I, I think, what's the day, what do they call that day after the season or something? It's like Black Monday. Black Monday. And then a bunch of coaches get fired. And that usually happens every year. Uh, this year, we had Adam Gase, who we kind of knew was on his way out, with Doug Marone and Anthony Lynn. What do you guys think about these firings? And I mean, I don't, I, I think it's pretty uncontroversial of whether they're justified or not, but what do you, what do you think about each of these? Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into it more in depth during the off season, but there, there are some pretty attractive head coaching spots available this offseason uh you got the jaguars who are probably going to get trevor lawrence and then you got the chargers who have a, a stud in justin herbert and a pretty talented roster um the only issue is that now you're going up against patrick mahomes twice a year and that may be a little bit of a, a tough mm -hmm. sell if you're you're entering a division with mahomes that and he's going to be there for whatever 10 years or something so you're going to have to duke it out with him uh and, and then you know the jets are 
the Jets or the Jets, but there's also the Falcons out there. It'll be interesting. I haven't heard anything about Raheem Morris and whether he's he's coming back for the Falcons, so that may open up as well. Uh, you, you got the Lions who who have some work to do, but uh, you know the Jaguars and the the Chargers stand out to me as some pretty attractive spots to to land if you're a head coach. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think the Chargers and the Jaguars are the best. Uh, Chargers, you have Herbert, who's already shown he can be a great quarterback, even uh, as a rookie. The problem is that you have no fans. Let's be honest, Chargers fans are not many, so you don't have that support, uh, home field advantage. Also, like you said, you have to go against Mahomes, which isn't fun. And also their ownership is kind of eh, Uh, wishy-washy. I really like the Jaguars job. Uh, You have Trevor Lawrence. You have uh, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, receiver. Robinson had a great year for an undrafted rookie. And also, you're in a division where it's up for grabs. I mean, they have the Titans, there's the Colts, but none of those teams are as dominant as the Chiefs are. But to be honest, I think every coaching opening has some sort of positivity to it, even the, the Jets. The Jets are terrible and they're an awful franchise, but you can't do worse than Adam Gase. Like, it is, I think, physically impossible. Watch them watch, watch some hire uh, Jason Garrett and he screws it up more. But I, I don't think you can screw that up. Uh, the Lions job, that might be the worst one because the Lions are really in no no man's land right now. But if you're a coach, there are some attractive options. Texans, you have Deshaun Watson. Most yeah. coaches would line up to coach that guy. So I think it would be a lot of quality candidates. Uh, there's no excuse because there's a lot of good options. Yeah. The Jets are the least. Uh, it's the Jets that are the, the least attractive in my opinion. <laughs> but hot take. I mean, you mentioned I think Houston's up there as one of the top destinations. You know, Deshaun Watson just led the league in passing, so he's definitely a top mm-hmm. talent at quarterback. But I think the Falcons might secretly kind of be the best opportunity for head yep. coach to come in. It mm-hmm. kind of gives me Sean McVay to the Rams vibes, where it's a, a roster with talent, severely mismanaged, and and playing way under their potential. Um, and then you get somebody in there, you know, Durgan's favorite head coach to come in and uh, and do something do something with that roster and it could be a, a more quick of a turnaround than a lot of these other franchises but you mentioned it the Jaguars with the first pick a lot of you know a lot of teams when they pair a new franchise quarterback with a new head coach they find success so that's a, a definite possibility too Casey you look like you were about to say something yeah, I was going to give Durgan a plug. He has a, a very yep. in-depth coaching tracker on our website that's that's keeping track of all these hirings and firings and, and rumors and who's interviewing with who and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to keep up to date mm-hmm. on all that, Durgan's done a fantastic job of that on weeklyspiral.com. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah, check that out for sure. Um, let's talk about some other news, though. We have... I, <laughs> <laughs> yep, here we yep. go. Here okay, we listen. Go. This is the most controversial story of late, and I don't know that it deserves to be necessarily, but people are basically saying that Doug Peterson tanked and threw the game against Washington. You can kind of look at this how you want to. Uh, I'll let you guys kind of talk, and then I have my own thoughts on, on how this works, but Casey, we'll, we'll toss it to you. Give us your feedback on, on what we saw here on uh, Sunday night. I will say that I have calmed down a little bit. Okay, I understand. <laughs> You're pretty heated. That, uh, I understand objectively. I, I was because uh, it just doesn't sit right for me. The integrity of the game um, and the fact that people are laying their their bodies on the line. All the starters that were were in, 
you know, playing for three quarters, and then you want to take a look at a guy that's been on your practice squad for whatever three years. Yeah. To take a look mm-hmm. at this guy that you you know what he is three years in. Sure. He doesn't need any playing time. He's your backup quarterback. You just drafted a guy in the second round uh, who needs his reps. He's not playing fantastically, but the the Eagles are in a position to win that game, or at least continue to make it competitive and and you know nate sudfield bless his heart i'm sure he was trying very hard but he came in and five snaps two turnovers so uh, it seemed like the most blatant tanking to me that i've seen live uh you know you can rest guys going into the the postseason or whatever the eagles had a lot of inactives going into the game that's fine if you want to protect your stars that's cool but when you're you're in the game you play to win you know what I mean? Like if those are the guys that are going to be active, you're you got to play to win the game. And to me, that wasn't what the Eagles were doing. I mean, they ran a play action pass with 40 seconds left and no timeouts and they needed to go 90 yards. Like come on. How much more obvious can you be? You're you're not fooling anyone with play action. You're you're putting your guy that you want to take a look at in a terrible position to succeed by the play calls at the end, whether that's just Doug Peterson being stupid or uh or him being intentionally trying to tank that tank and lose that game, which is clearly what they wanted to do. I mean, they went from the ninth pick to the sixth pick. So, uh, you know, ultimately, will the Eagles care when the NFL draft comes along and the Eagles are on the clock at number six and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we tanked, but here we are at number six. And now we get to have whoever we want at number six, probably a, a stud receiver, or uh, maybe they'll reach on a receiver like they have in the past. Oh, um, calm down. Pew, pew. <laughs> So to me, it didn't sit right as a coach from a philosophical, emotional standpoint. I did not agree with it. I think you can very easily lose a locker room that way. Um, Veteran guys like Kelsey and uh, Brandon Graham, who are out there playing their their hearts. So the the defense was playing hard. I mean, this was Jim Schwartz's last game. He's Mm -hmm. retiring now. And the defense was playing hard. And... To, to get three quarters in and a few points away from knocking a team out of the playoffs, your division rival, and to decide not to do that just bothered me a lot. I, I agree with just about everything you're saying. I uh, will preface by saying in the beginning, if you are a Giants player, fan, associated with them, you can't be that mad because you went 6-10. and 10. If you're better off not making the playoffs, to be honest, because you need a higher draft pick. You need a lot of help, and you would have been embarrassed more than likely by the Bucks. But I agree with you that the whole Nate Fletchfield, oh, we need to see we need to see him play in the game to judge how he is. That's just total bull crap. Uh, you're not going to give a guy a quarter and then judge him for your future. Give him a half. Give him a full start. But if Jalen Hurts is your future, you need to see him play in the fourth quarter, fourth quarter in a close game in a relatively high-pressured game, too. If you want to see him do a four-minute offense, two-minute offense, whatever it may be, that is your chance to see it. And the only way you're going to see that is not in practice, but in meaningful game snaps. Uh, and I agree with what you said. Guys like Jason Kelsey, who probably maybe won't be back on the Eagles next year. Zach Ertz, probably not going to be back. Those guys have played this entire year on a crappy team, and you're not going to give Nate Sudfield the ball at the end of the game to win it. That's BS. And for a guy who wrote a book called Fearless, uh, Doug Peterson, like, come on. You, that, that is the most fearful move I have seen. But, I mean, from his standpoint, if he has total job security for next year, tank, why not? 
it's terrible for the players. If it doesn't help you in the future, do it. I mean, you're going to be the villain, and you're going to look, you know, like an asshole. You're going to lose some locker room because Miles Sanders today went on radio show and said that he didn't like it, and he's your probably your best offensive player. Not thinking about it, he probably is. So I don't like it, uh, but if you're a Giants fan, don't complain because he has six wins. Yeah, I mean, I, Hertz was on the sideline saying it's not right. Yeah. Like, there, there's guys that have come out. You don't Kel- know the context of what he was saying that okay. to. It was just a I, gif that you saw on Twitter. I do uh, know the all. context of this, though. Kelsey came out weeks before yeah. and said that tanking is 100% not an option for anybody on that team. And if you just purposefully tank at the end of the year, you're setting a bad culture, and that's how losing teams can continue to lose year after year after year. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty eloquent and well-spoken uh, speech that he gave in, in a press conference. If you have an opportunity to go look that up, uh, I would suggest you do because it, was, it, was, it, it hit home for me and, and I agreed with it. And, you know, I, I've seen plenty of teams make personnel decisions, benching players. You know, the Steelers did it to get into the playoffs. They had Mason, but they were fucking, they were trying. Like they almost beat the Browns with with backups and Mason Rudolph in. Like there's no doubt that that team was was trying very hard. The the Vikings and the Lions had a very close game with absolutely nothing on the line. The Texans, Deshaun Watson, almost beat the Titans to knock them, you know, give them a wild card or knock them out of the playoffs. Uh, so there's teams that are fighting all the way to the end. I have no problem with benching guys and and saving your stars, but. I've never seen something more so blatant and purposeful at the end of the game to purposefully not put yourself in a position to win. Sure. And another thing, too, just just throwing it out there. I know you mentioned the Kelsey speech. That's also slightly out of context. Yes, it it resonates and it's true and, and all of that. But he was referring to tanking an entire season, not necessarily one meaningless game. So, yes, it still applies. And I'm sure Kelsey has his, his feelings about this game and and losing and whether they should have won or not but let's not pretend Jalen Hurts was out there lighting it up yes he had a few rushing touchdowns but the dude was seven for 20 he had like 70 yards and and an interception and a 40 QB rating so he was playing poorly it's not as if he was out there playing phenomenally and Doug Peterson was like all right time to pull you out so we can lose and uh, listen nobody wanted to see this but if this was a 10 a.m game or a 1 p.m game this wouldn't even be a story. The fact that it's primetime is the only reason True. why people are paying attention to this. And I agree with Durgan on the front when, when, I, when I say this. I mean, I'll, I'll respect the Giants fans, but look, no NFC East team even deserves to be in the playoffs. So the <laughs> fact that Giants fans are complaining, you had, you had 16 games. I saw Jabril Pepper's tweet. He said that basically they had 16 games to prove that they deserve to be in the playoffs. Six and 10 isn't good enough. No. It just isn't. So the fact that you're complaining that your destiny was in another team's hands is absolutely absurd to me. I don't understand that at all. Um, But look, this isn't the first time this has happened. Is it more common in other sports? Absolutely. Basketball, for instance. But in general, in sports, when when you're playing for nothing, there is more incentive to lose than there is to win. I understand from the coaching perspective that you want to send the right message to your locker room. But the reality of it is half this locker room will not even be in this locker room come next season. It will be a brand new team. There is time. There is a time, basically, at this moment, where the Eagles have to retool and rebuild. As unfortunate as it is, but it's going to happen. Um, and whether Hurts is the future or not is still up in the air. Yes, he had one or two good games, but he's been inconsistent. Um, it's not as if he's a surefire franchise QB. And I don't know if you if you didn't have any context around this, and you came and showed me the stat line for Hurts and said he got benched, like I wouldn't be like, hey, that team's tanking. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't immediately assume that. 
I think it's the context and the outrage from from people and the fact that it's a night game, a, a primetime game, that kind of led to this whole narrative, and the media has taken it and just ran with it full speed. Usain Bolt with this narrative that there's some tanking tank job going on. Doug Peterson said before the game, weeks ahead, he wants to get Nate Sudfeld some action. I'm sure he viewed this game as meaningless the same way most people do. So why wouldn't you want to get your, your guy some action that you said you were going to do? It shouldn't be a shock that it happened, I don't think. Um, and listen, all, by all accounts, Nate Sudfeld shit the bed, like harder than I've seen a quarter, maybe like since uh, Nate Peterman. I haven't seen a quarterback <laughs> shit the bed as hard as, as Sudfeld did. But by all accounts, you know, everything that we've seen from Sudfeld in the offseason and, and seasons prior was that he was a solid backup candidate. Like he was a, he was a decent player in uh, obviously that's practice it's not the same thing as game action but i don't think doug peterson expected such a stark drop off by putting sudfeld in and i think sudfeld playing so horribly just fed into this narrative that he was tanking um and i don't i don't necessarily think he expected that it's no coincidence that he put him in right at the fourth quarter i mean it's not as if he put him in oh we took the lead and now i'm putting sudfeld in he had a plan i think ahead of the game um and he expected sudfeld to not be as bad as he was but listen this the bucks did this for winston a lot of teams have tanked it's it's not it's not like this is new and this has never happened before um but i really strongly believe that if this wasn't the primetime game people wouldn't even know that it happened yeah i mean i agree on generally but i i would say this isn't even tanking this was throwing the game and and i think there is a difference in that you know, playing subpar players and actively trying to win, knowing that you most likely won't be able to is one thing. Uh, I mean, that's sort of why you see the Jets beat the the Rams and the Browns. Like, that was a bad team playing hard. You know, they were trying to tank. They offloaded a lot of a lot of pieces. The Dolphins did it last year. They offloaded a ton of pieces. Uh, and, and that's sort of what people thought think of as taking. But in one specific game, you know, the decisions, the play calls at the end of the game, uh, to, to throw it essentially is what didn't sit well with me and I think is what didn't sit well with a lot of people. But I understand like from a purely logical standpoint, it made sense. There's nothing right in on the game, whatever. Uh, it just didn't sit right with, with me as a viewer or a fan or as a coach watching it. Agreed. Silence. Dur- oh, Durgan, agreed. Absolutely. No, I mean, I mean you, you, uh, you nail on the head. I mean, nothing more to say about it really besides the fact that I think only people that agree with Doug Peterson are Eagles fans. But people who are like, oh, man, the Giants got screwed, then those people are Giants fans or secret. Yeah, f- secret fuck the Giants. Yeah. yeah I, fuck the Giants. I'd, fuck the Cowboys. I'd rather see um, Washington in the playoffs. Speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, listen, w- there's there's so many situations where and variables that come into play here. I I'm not sure about the details as far as the play calling. I know Casey, you kind of mentioned maybe there were some questionable calls that led you to believe that he was throwing the game versus just putting in Nate Sudfeld and him just playing like absolute garbage. Um, but I mean, we were both calling for uh, Josh Rosen to get some play time. Like yeah. we've we've seen situations where we want to see what backups can do in NFL action. Um, so, I mean, how is that any different? Like, if, well, we, if we wanted to see Josh Rosen play and he got some play time and then the Niners lost or something. So, how is that any different than this for, situation? First of all, they're playing the Seahawks, who are already in the playoffs. And that game meant nothing in the grand scheme of things. And the reason why Shanahan didn't put in Rosen in the second half, because they were winning, 
and he thought it wasn't fair to Beathard, who by all means is a terrible, terrible quarterback, but he's been on a team for four years, and he's a free agent after this year. And he's put in his work. He's had a lot of stuff off the field go wrong for him. And you want to reward him by sending a message that if you're playing well, I'm not going to bench you. And I mean, it's a different approach. I mean, once again, the Niners are kind of taking kind of not because no matter what, they're not going to get the best draft pick by the Eagles. But I just don't. If Jalen Hurts is your guy next year, I just think that his confidence is not short, but it's shakier. Yeah, I think the main thing comes down to the fact that you just drafted a rookie quarterback and, you know, he's been getting some time as up and down as he's been. And even in that the game itself, he wasn't playing terrific, but he had them in a position to win. And if that's your guy, um, you know, you give him the reps to try to, to, to finish it out. Um, whereas the 49ers don't really have a quarterback of the future. They're trying to figure out who, who the guy is. And I think the Eagles knew that, you know, Nate Sudfield is not, He's not the guy, but um, and quick point for I don't agree though. I'm going to jump in here, Jeremy. Right, before right. I don't think the Eagles have a quarterback of the future, and I don't think they're certain on any front. I mean, Jalen Hurts is by no means secure in that role at this point. I don't think I don't mean he's played well in a few games, but to say he's earned the quarterback of the future title, I mean, I don't. That's a little premature. Um, so anyway, sure, but, I agree with that, but you got to give him a look like if you're if you're trying to figure out someone to give the reins to or to give more time to it's not it's it's Jalen Hurts it's not Nate Sudfield whereas the 49ers could have you know wanted to see what Josh Rosen was to keep him on the roster next year because he was a, a highly touted quarterback coming out of the draft and it's not fair to Sudfield to throw him in there in that scenario beyond a beat up offensive line against a very good defense that's playing for their lives like you can't evaluate them in that scenario. Like it's, it's an impossible task. Most quarterbacks who come off the bench wouldn't succeed in this scenario. And he's not very talented. Like that, that's very obvious. And I think that message is clear now for the Eagles that he's not, you know, a guy you can rely on. But w- there's almost no chance that working out in his favor. I guess, but at the same time, I mean, I, I liken this to. Carson Wentz being benched he was playing poorly he got benched for Jalen Hurts granted it was a larger sample size Jalen Hurts was also playing poorly in this game he was not playing well he had a few rushing touchdowns that opened up for him but as a passer he was he was really bad this was his worst game at quarterback out of all the games he's played so I I don't know I think the perception is a little off and people are thinking Jalen Hurts was like lighting things up and then all of a sudden got benched because the Eagles wanted to lose but that I don't know that that was the case and like I said I think Sudfeld disappointed more than expected and that fed into this sort of tanking narrative but i'm i'm not i'm not 100 percent sold that this was an intentional loss um and i think people are kind of overblowing it but at the same time as a fan logically i'm not upset at it either because i think the sixth pick and the ninth pick as we saw in previous years i mean the eagles were in a position where had they lost another game last year maybe they could have got cd lamb versus jalen rager for instance um, I know the whole argument, oh, but you could have picked Justin Jefferson, do, do, do. But yeah, okay, great. <laughs> a lot of other teams could have also picked Justin Jefferson. Nobody knew he was going to be freaking Randy Moss 2.0. Um, so anyways, I don't, I don't know. I think we've touched on this enough, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold to the fact that I think it's being overblown, especially by the media. They're kind of grasping onto this for, for ratings. And I think uh, if it wasn't a primetime game, it would have been, it wouldn't even be a headline. Fair enough. You guys okay. got any, any? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's leave the Eagles 
in the regular season. All right, let's leave the Eagles in the regular season, just like the Browns will probably be leaving Stefanski in the regular season. Uh, Durgan, why don't you why don't you touch on this tweet from from Adam Schefter regarding the Browns and their COVID situation? Yeah, uh, they're kind of fucked. <laughs> uh, so they have Stefanski, two of the coaches, uh, offensive lineman Joel Batonio, who's their starting guard and a wide receiver on COVID. They for sure will not play. They have another, I think, seven guys on the COVID list who might be back. As of now, this game will go on as scheduled on Saturday. So they're not going to get, you know, probably any changing the schedule. Uh, NFL has shown in the past that they're not going to change any games unless they absolutely have to. And it's a playoffs. So you, your team essentially has to all get COVID in order for it to happen. Good news is, however, well, I don't know if it's good news, but all these COVID positive tests aren't of the same strain. So it shows that it's not being passed in the locker room. It's being passed uh, probably from their homes, probably due to holiday gatherings and whatnot. So that is, I guess, a positive sign. I guess no COVID news is really good, but hopefully it limits the outbreak. Uh, we record this on Tuesday and we'll come out to Wednesday. So our luck, uh, there'll be a huge uh, breakout in the Browns locker room. It'll just be outdated, but hopefully this is uh, limited as they play the Steelers this week. Yeah, and if you're the Chiefs or the Packers, uh, sit your ass at home Stay and don't go outside. home. <laughs> Seriously. I don't yeah, know why yeah, teams yeah. aren't bubbling right now. Like, rent out a hotel and just babysit these guys. Say, all right, you guys have one month to be supervised and then do whatever the hell you want after that. Focus. Yeah, get a bunch of PS5s. Yeah. You know, get everybody <laughs> just chilling. You know, stay healthy for sure. Yeah. Turn um, on the weekly spiral and just, go. you know, divide, divide yeah. out. Vibe out to the weekly spirals. This is my favorite pastime. All vibes, man. Well, that's going to kind of factor into our picks, I assume. We're going to talk about that game, but let's start with another game. We'll, we'll dive into our playoff matchups here. Um, this will be an interesting one. We got the Colts at the Bills. Uh, Durgan, we'll start with you. What do you think in this matchup? I'm just happy my Colts got in the playoffs since I predicted them preseason to make it this far. But nobody in the league is playing better than Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, the Colts are a good defensive team, but they're much better against the run than the pass. And the Bills are the opposite. They want to air it out, and their run game isn't uh, all that great. You know, ever since the Bills' last loss, their defense is playing much better. Uh, Trey White won the elite corners in the league. Josh Norman had a, a touchdown this past week. He's playing a lot better. And Rivers won't be able to throw the ball with much zip in 3-degree weather in Buffalo. It's going to be very cold, as it always is in January in Buffalo. Uh, and they'll get assume a lot of pressure on him, kind of shut down that run game, force the Colts to pass. But the one chance the Colts do has if they get Jonathan Taylor running. I mean, he, he's a guy who he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and in cold weather, you don't want to tackle him. And that's how he was so successful at Wisconsin. He get the ball 40 times a game, and good luck tackling him in the fourth quarter. However, I love the Bills right now. Uh, they're my favorite team left in the uh, playoffs. I hope they win it all. So I don't think it'll be all that close. 34-24. Yeah, I, I am going to resonate a lot of what Durgan said, but the Bills have scored 30-plus points in 9 out of 16 games. Um, in their last three games, they've scored 56 points, 38 points, and 48 points. They're the fifth-best fifth offense, according to DVOA, this season, uh, and they haven't lost since that uh, that Cardinals game and the Hale-Murray against Arizona. Uh, that was in, in early November. So they're, they're super hot right now. John Brown is coming back. He, he adds some speed and some more explosiveness to that offense as if they weren't already doing well enough. 
And if this is going to be a shootout, the Colts are going to lose. Uh, yep. the, the the Colts have not been adapting well and adjusting after the second half um, and have really sort of fallen apart in the second half a couple of weeks in a row now against the Steelers. And then they, they were trying to give that game away against the Jaguars too. Uh, Rivers hasn't topped over 300 yards passing in seven weeks. And I think the Bills just have too much momentum right now. There, there's too many weapons for, for the, the Colts to stop. So I'm, I'm riding with the Bills. Yeah, we got the clean sweep here, fellas. I got the Bills as well. I know that's surprising, um, but, you know, with the Bills hosting their first playoff game since 1996, coming off a win where they put up 56 points against a pretty decent Miami defense. Um, And Miami had a lot to play for in this game as well, and now they're sitting at home because they lost it. But this is the second most points in franchise history um, since they put up 58, also against the Dolphins, which is kind of funny, but in 1966. um, This team's on fire. There's no denying it. They've won their last six games all by double digits. Excuse me. The last team to do that, the Seahawks in 2014. Guess what they did that year? They won the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying the Bills are a surefire Super Bowl contender. I mean, they're definitely a contender, I think, in the AFC. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how if they can beat the Chiefs at this point. But uh, you know, this team is legit. I'm not a believer in Josh Allen as much as most. But this team is playing phenomenally, and I I can't necessarily say the same about the Colts on a week to week basis. So I got to go with the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills. 33 Colts 21. Let's go on to our next game. We got the Ravens at the Titans. Durgan, take it away. This is, I think, my favorite game of the weekend. And it's been a while since I've dropped some Lamar Jackson hate. So I'm, I'm back here, ready to do it again. <laughs> Lamar Jackson in bowl games in his career. 41% passing, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Playoffs, 51% completion percentage, three touchdowns, three interceptions, 0-2. Some players just aren't good at big moments. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call him the NFL's James Harden. He is great in regular season. He's fun to watch. Social media loves him. He gets, you know, he's ESPN's darling. But when it comes to the postseason and you give coaches time to focus and create a game plan and moments that matter, he just can't come through. And that's the way it is. Like, I'll, I'll say that until he proves me wrong. And last year, the Titans knocked out the Ravens. And I think it'll happen again because they have the blueprint to win. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. He's impossible to try to stop uh, with the lead in the fourth quarter. He made 2,000 yards rushing this year. And he's not a guy who's going to get tired and wear down uh, come January and February. The Titans' defense is my one concern. I think that if the Ravens can run the ball effectively and get out to the early lead, it might be some issues. But um, I'm going to go with Titans 27-20 in a very close game. Yeah, I you know, the Ravens are just playing too good for me right now. Uh, the The Titans' defense is really what concerns me. Since Lamar Jackson's return from from COVID, the Ravens have have really been dominating people. Uh, they're ranked fourth in DVOA for for their run offense, and the Titans' defense is ranked 29th. And that's not a good recipe for for the Titans. Uh, I honestly would like to see the Titans win, but. Um, you know, even a transcendent year from Derrick Henry can only do so much. You know, he, he had over 2,000 yards rushing this year. That's that's great, but that defense is ugly right now, and they're they're struggling across the board. Uh, if they want a chance to be able to win, I think they're going to have to force some turnovers, 
And uh, as long as Lamar doesn't turn into playoff Lamar like Durgan is predicting, uh, I, I think the Ravens have the advantage in this one. Uh, they, they sort of feel like the hotter team to me. Uh, the Titans had to, to fight and claw to get into the playoffs. They, they lost a big one to the Packers and then took all they they took the full you know 60 minutes against the Texans uh, to, to win that one. So I'm gonna ride with the Ravens in a close one 31 to 27. Yeah, um, I know that must be tough for you, Casey, since the uh, Titans are your second love behind the Packers. But that's true. I'm I'm with you on this. You know, I gotta go the Ravens, even though the Ravens are not sort of the defensive juggernaut that they were once considered to be. Like you mentioned, they're playing extremely well since Lamar Jackson returned from the COVID list. Um, you know, last year we saw a ton of 13 personnel from the Ravens, three tight end sets. Um, since then though, Greg Roman has kind of adapted their scheme a little bit They're They use 11 personnel, the most in the league with one tight end and one running back. Uh, 48% of their plays are 11 personnel and they run the ball 43% of the time. That's the highest rate in the NFL. And I think what this has done is sort of open things up and create a ton of space, not only for Lamar Jackson, who's probably the best at, at that position at quarterback at creating his own space, but also JK Dobbins, Hollywood Brown, their speeds, their Duvernay. Um, I think this. I think this is going to cause a lot of problems for the Titans. And you guys, I mean, this has sort of turned into a bashing session on the Titans' defense. But I'll throw out a few more stats for them uh, in terms of yards per game. They're 19th in rush yards per game allowed, 29th in pass yards per game allowed, 28th in total yards per game allowed, 24th in in points per game allowed. This is a pretty bad defense statistically. So I'm not sure that they can hold up. And I don't know that we see the Titans being a good come from behind team in this situation I, I think that kind of for me favors the Ravens who have a little bit more momentum right now um even though Derrick Henry's an absolute beast eighth player ever to to get 2,000 yards which is insane but I think the Titans kind of drew the short end of the stick here in this matchup and I think the Ravens get their revenge for when the Titans uh, knock them out of the playoffs in years past so I'm going to go Ravens 30 Titans 24 but it should be a fun matchup Let's move on. We got the Browns at the Steelers. Heated rivalry. Durgan, yeah, so take I, it away. I made this prediction uh, before the COVID news came out today about the Browns coaching staff. Uh, I'm going Steelers 30-21. Uh, Big Ben hopefully is rested and ready to tear apart a poor Browns defense. The key comes down to the, the Steelers defense, though. Can they shut down the run and make Baker beat you? And if that happens, they win. Uh, TJ Watt. NFL leader in sacks this year with 15. Uh, I think he is one of, if not the lead candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, him or Xavier Howard. And their defense is not just him. Uh, Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward, Highsmith, the rookie that's Lana Cross for P.J. Watt having a great year uh, for a rookie. So if they can get pressure, I think Baker will get rattled. And this is an example of a game where you have the inferior quarterback talent-wise, which is Big Ben. Uh, but he has all the playoff experience, and he knows what to do. Baker Mayfield does not have that playoff experience. And in college, the only playoff experience he had, he did not do too well, uh, which is uh, it's one game, but still something. Uh, Steelers also have some COVID issues. Uh, Joe Hayden was put on the list last week. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. That's one of those, you know, it might be a day before type thing. He won't practice. Uh, if he is out and they have no corners, I'm a little more weary of my pick, but I'm gonna still buy my Steelers. Yeah, for me, I think it's gonna come down to whether the Browns can eliminate the big play, and that's not a thing you said about the Steelers a couple weeks ago. But that big play against the Colts a couple weeks ago in the second half really sparked their offense and got them going. Um, 
uh, we'll see if that can, can, can continue now, it, now that they've sort of had a, a week off. I don't know if I would have rested all of my starters the whole game if I was Tomlin. As soon as your offense shows a little bit of life, all of a sudden you're going to say, okay, you're not playing. I, I sort of might want to roll with that momentum and, and figure things out. Um, but I'm going to ride with the Browns unless there are some more big COVID issues for on the field. Um, I, I, I trust them a little bit more than I do the Steelers right now. E- even though the, the Browns struggled to beat the Steelers team that had most of their backups in and, and were facing Mason Rudolph, I just feel like when Baker protects the ball and runs that offense and it, and it funnels through Chubb and Hunt, um, Cleveland has a really good chance to win. And I think their defense is going to need to make a play or two to, to really impact this game and, and give them a chance, a sack by Miles Garrett or, or a play in the secondary. Maybe is it Sendejo is is on the the Browns he now? Is. Is he, he the Mister Spear? Mr. Maybe he'll you know have a nice <laughs> legal hit that dislodges the ball and the ball pops up in the air and they get an interception something like that. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna go with the Browns twenty three to seventeen and the Browns get their first playoff win in who knows how long. Yeah, this was a tough one. I really want to root for the Browns. Um, you know that's that's my AFC team, but. This team was barely able to beat the Steelers team, the Steelers in weeks in uh, week seventeen while resting most of their key players. So I, I just can't, I can't pick the Brown the Browns in this one when when uh, Roethlisberger is coming back, T.J. Watts coming back, Cam Hayward's coming back, Joe Hayden, Eric Ebron, the list goes on. And um, they this was a Browns team in a Browns defense that made Mason Rudolph look decent. So I, it's not a great sign. Not a great sign. That being said the Steelers have kind of let us down a little bit here towards the end of the season in general. So we'll see what happens. I think this could low key be a very close and exciting matchup, but I'm going to pick the Steelers and uh, that could change if we get some news, but I'm going to say Steelers 27 Browns 20 in this uh, heated rivalry. Let's move on. We got another heated rivalry and an NFC West Rams at Seahawks. Durgan, since this is near and dear to your (laughs) NFC West heart, take it away, man. My two favorite teams in the whole league. Uh, how I ever choose who wins. Um, I'm going to assume Jared Goff isn't playing. Uh, they keep saying he might come back. If you have a surgery on your right hand, your throwing hand, you need like months to rehab, not weeks. So I'm going to go with Seahawks 24-14. Seahawks defense is playing a lot better uh, as of late. They were historically bad at the first half of the year. The second half has been a lot better. Jamal Adams is healthy. Got Carlos Dunlap. Their corners are playing better as well. And the Rams... Offense, quite frankly, isn't good even with Goff, but their defense is amazing. And defense wins championships, right? They do, but they you need some sort of offensive formula that works. The Niners' defense last year carried them to the point where the offense had to do something, and the offense failed. And I think at the end of the day, am I going to trust John Wolford, or am I going to trust Russell Wilson? Easy decision. Uh, the Rams' secondary is pretty strong, but all you need to do is get the hands into DK's hands, uh, lock its hands early and let them uh, do all the work and if it came down to a close game and the Seahawks had the ball I'm very confident Russell Wilson can come through in the clutch I really want to pick the Rams in this one but uh you know ultimately you got to go with the the quarterback situation I did a little breakdown on on John Wolford and they simplified things for him they involved him in the run game and i think really what's hurting the rams the most is their lack of run game without that outside zone without the the threat of the run a lot of the mcveigh offense tends to struggle now you have a backup quarterback who isn't necessarily going to be able to drop back and read coverages and and throw accurately and uh, that just compounds the issue 
Um, so the, the Rams tried to do a lot of empty sets and formations to sort of create vanilla looks for the defense and, and use John Wolford and, and zone read looks to, to help that, that run game. And they did enough against the, the Cardinals, um, but the Cardinals had a backup quarterback in there for, for half the game as well. Uh, but the, the Rams quietly have a, a top 10 ranked defense in DVO or, or, or offense in, in DVO, I sorry, um, and their defense is ranked fifth. So they, they're pretty solid on both sides of the ball. Um, I just don't think they're going to be able to have enough red zone success. They might have to be able to drive the ball and, and score a few field goals. Uh, but ultimately, I think you're going to need to score a few touchdowns to beat the Seahawks and pull off that upset. Um, but the Seahawks a few weeks ago struggled against that Rams defense. So it's possible if you, you know, you have some trick plays up your sleeve and, and some ways to manufacture some points, a nice punt return or kick return or something. Uh, Cooper Cup should be back for, for this game. Uh, they might have a chance. All that being said, I think the Seahawks are playing more complete football right now. I'm going to take them to win 20 to 12 just because Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Lockett, Carlos Hyde, I feel like someone there is going to make a play at the end of the game where uh, in the fourth quarter that's sort of going to put the game a little bit out of reach for the Rams. Yeah, you know, this Rams defense might have played the Seahawks offense the best out of any defense this year in both of their matchups. I... I am with you, Casey, where I kind of wanted to pick the Rams, but at the same time, I just can't with Jared Goff potentially not playing. If we get some news and Jared Goff somehow miraculously heals and makes some recovery, which I kind of doubt. I think there's some some games being played here from Boy Wonder, Sean McVay, <laughs> but I I don't know. If if it's Wolford, I can't pick against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They've been there too many times, you know, and, and Wolford has not. So I got to go with the Seahawks in this one as well. I'm going to say Seahawks 24 um rams 17 but if goff is healthy i like the rams just because i think the defensive matchup favors them a lot they've been one of the few teams to shut down the seahawks and then also do some things on the other side of the ball so i i don't know i'm i'm torn on this one because i could see some i could see something happening and and the world being like shocked but at the end of the day it's russell wilson and uh dk metcalf and and tyler lockett are, are good but I'm torn on this too, Casey. I'm with you, man. I'm with you because I, I don't want the Seahawks to win personally, but I, I think I think they will, unfortunately. So let's go on to our next matchup, one that I think will be a little bit more lopsided, but we'll discuss here. We got the Bucks at the Washington football team. Oh, Alex Smith, you poor, poor soul. Uh, he, he cannot move in the pocket right now. And even Ron Rivera came out today and said they might have to go with a two-quarterback system because he's that worried about Alex Smith's new injury, his calf injury, because it's very dangerous if you can't move against the Bucks defense, which will blitz, blitz, and keep blitzing. They blitz almost more than any other team in the league. So from that standpoint, it's going to be tough for Washington to move the ball. It might be close early if Washington can play some good defense, but their, their offense is not going to help them at all in terms of field position. Brady knows how to win the playoffs. Uh, they still have enough weapons. Mike Evans is day-to-day. I'm going to assume he is out for this game. Even then, they have Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Gronk. And Scotty Miller, who's a pretty good slot receiver. I don't know why they even needed to get uh, Antonio Brown because he's been playing well. So I, I don't think this game's going to be all that close. I got 31-14 bucks. 
Yeah, ultimately, I'm going to go with Brady, but I have a feeling this game is going to be closer than a lot of people expect. If there's one thing that Tom Brady hates, it's pressure. And Washington's defensive line is the best in the league. Uh, the football team just doesn't give up explosive plays, one of the best in the league there. They don't give up yards after the catch. And those explosive plays, those deep shots, are what the Bucks' offense is all about. Mike Evans seems like he's the only guy that Tom Brady has a real good chemistry and connection with. He may be out. Uh, Tampa has been on a hot streak, but they've played the Falcons twice and the Lions during that hot streak. And the Lions even, even have their entire defensive staff coaching that game. Um, so I would temper expectations that the the, the Bucks are going to go blow out the Washington football team. They very may well do that, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer and they're going to have a tough time against this Washington defense. Now the issue is, can Washington score points? That I'm not as sold on. Um, like you said, Alex Smith is beat up. He, he made a couple nice throws uh, against the Eagles. Uh, he, he also makes a couple bad throws every once in a while. So uh, I love the story there. I, I, I like Washington, and, and they're kind of fun to watch on defense. But I think ultimately the Bucks are going to do enough, uh, though unconvincingly, to, to win this game. Um, I am not tempering my expectations at all. <laughs> I think the Bucks come out and just completely dominate this game. Yes, yes, Washington has one of the best fronts in in football. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't know what this team has going for it really. So, I got I can't pick against the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are coming off of, of four straight regular season wins. They're eight point favorites in this game. That's the most in Bucks history, and and they're on the road um, in in Bucks playoff history. I should say they're they're eight point favorites, but. I, I don't know, man. I, this is unfortunate. I think any NFC East team that was in this matchup probably would be a huge underdog. Um, and I'm sure Casey would love an upset here because it means the Packers might face Washington <laughs> instead of the Bucks potentially, um, uh, depending on how things shake me out. out. Yeah, I had a feeling there. Uh, but <laughs> I just can't see it happening. I mean, you know, if I was a betting man, and I know Durgan's a betting man, oh, yeah. I, would never, I would never be able to bet. As much as I want to see Tom Brady somehow just struggle against Washington— I just don't see it happening. Even if even if he gets you know pressured and sacked, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be enough. And you mentioned it, Casey. It's the fact that Washington, even if their defense plays well, the offense will play worse um, than a struggling Bucks offense against a great uh, pass rush. So I got to go Bucks as well. I'm gonna say 30 to 13. Um, like I said, not tempering expectations. I think it's gonna be the most lopsided game in the playoffs. Um, but we shall see. Let's go on to another one that might be the second most lopsided game in the playoffs. We got Durgan talking about the Saints. Go for it, dude. So everyone's assuming Kamara will play, and they got a huge break by having the game on Sunday instead of Saturday. If it was on Saturday, there was no chance he can play. If he now by they're playing Sunday, the chance he might, but he has to pass, I think, three or four straight COVID tests and have a doctor pass a physical. He says he's fine, but if he doesn't play, I think the Saints are in trouble. I'm going to assume he does play, however, and pick them to win 30-20. to 20. Uh, I am worried that the Saints are kind of cursed in the playoffs the last three years, losing in kind of screwy ways. Bears' offense is playing better, showing signs of life. I mean, they were dead for weeks. Now they're not great, but they're a lot better than they were. Uh, but huge advantage for the Saints that's at home. They can play indoors. Uh, Michael Thomas, probably back. Is he healthy, though? If so, absolute game changer. Uh, if he's not, then Bears can go. Bears corners can go straight up, man, and just bring the house. Try to shut down Kamara. 
I, I 30-20 my score, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than we think. Kind of like how we saw the Packers and Bears game go this past week, where the end score wasn't that close, but for you know, three, three and a half quarters, it was a competitive game. Yeah, I, I have had the blessing in my life this year to watch the Bears a few times against the Packers, and I've also done a breakdown recently on, on Mitchell Trubisky, and uh, I just don't trust him. What an honor. You know, they, 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 it, was, it was really an honor. Um, you know, they had a little bit of a hot streak against some bad defenses, and they, they figured some things out to give their offense some life, so they're, they're more of a team than they were, you know, a month or so ago when Nick Foles was at quarterback, but uh, the defense for the Bears has gone from elite when Fangio was there to, you know, just good enough under Chuck Pagano. They're, they're not as creative. They're not as explosive. Um, and they haven't really made huge game-changing plays like they, they were sort of during the heyday when, when they got the double doink against the, the Eagles. So I don't really have a lot of faith in the Bears. Even if Kamara and Michael Thomas don't go, I, I still think the Saints will find a way to get it done. Um, I, you know, I just trust Breeze more than I trust Trubisky at all. It, it really in the playoffs for me, a lot of the times it just comes down to to the quarterback play. And so I'm taking the Saints to, to win 37 to 23. Since 1970, three teams have withstood six game losing streaks throughout their season to make the playoffs. This 2020 Bears team is one of those three. I am honestly shocked that they somehow managed to sneak their way into the playoffs given how turbulent their season has been it's been extremely up and down you've seen multiple quarterbacks play it's very reminiscent of like an nfc east team and yet somehow they've they've snuck into the playoffs um i agree with you casey on the defense i think similar to sort of the ravens this year the defensive juggernaut perception has faded completely i don't think teams are fearing them and they're not going to win games defensively on its on their own so I, I don't know that they really stand a chance. Even without Kamara, even with a less than 100% Michael Thomas, I trust Drew Brees. I trust the guy who's thrown for 5,000 yards five times out of the top 10 list. I, I think I think Drew Brees is going to kind of show up now. He's going to wake up, and this is his time, and uh, show what it means to be a, a franchise quarterback, whereas I don't know that the Bears have enough to kind of uh, figure things out and, and and make a run in this in these playoffs if they, you know— I don't know. I would like a Cinderella story. I'm all for an upset, but I think this Bears team ultimately double doinks their way out of the playoffs in the first round. Not not literally, but metaphorically. And uh, this is going to be the second most lopsided game I think in the playoffs. I got I got the the Saints 33, Bears 17. Um, and either this or the Bucks Washington game. One of those two is going to be the least exciting of the week. I'm calling it now. So. That's going to wrap things up here. You guys have any final thoughts before we uh, before we say goodbye to our listeners? I do have one thought. The NFL is trying to brand this new wild card weekend as Super Wild Card Weekend, and I'm not. I don't like what? the super. I love it. Just call it Wild Card Weekend because there's now there's now another uh, an extra yeah, game each super. day because I don't know. Get rid of the super Wild Card Weekend. It's just got the alliteration. It's nice. It's clean. It's simple. Keep Wild Card Weekend. Don't add the super. There's also a game with Nickelodeon. I forget which game it is, but one game will be on Nickelodeon and have like cartoon effects during the game. So Are I, you serious? I'm dead serious. I, I need, yeah, I forget which game it is. But one of the NFC games. I, I'm going to watch that. I think it's the Saints and Bears. I, I'm watching on Nickelodeon just for the laughs. <laughs> that honestly, I'm like cringing in my chair as we do this podcast. That, that's so weird. It's, the, it's, the, it's weird, but it's good marketing technique for younger kids. I mean, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, 
that's that's odd to me and then also i I agree with you casey that super wild card weekend i don't know it sounds i don't i don't like that at all i didn't even know that was a thing i didn't even hear that i'm glad i didn't and now i'm sad (laughs) but (laughs) let's wrap things up there on episode 72 of the weekly spiral i'm excited you're excited we're all excited playoff football is here before we head out i want to give my co-hosts a chance to plug some of their content casey what do you got coming up for the listeners yeah, I'm doing a video breakdown on the Bills game against the Dolphins, taking a look only at the first two quarters because that's when the, the, the starters were in there. But the Bills made some really quick adjustments against the, the Dolphins' blitz and pressure looks that uh, enabled them to, to put up 28 first-quarter points and, and sort of put that game away before you know they had to bench people in the second quarter or in the second half there. So that's coming out uh, later this week. And I also did a, a quick written breakdown on John Wolford for the for the Rams. And I'm also working on uh, a, a quick offensive line breakdown for Billy Turner, who replaced David Bakhtiari for the Packers to to see sort of if the Packers may be in trouble there with their replacement. Nice. And yeah, that could that could have implications down the line as the Packers make a Super Bowl run here. Durgan, what about you? Anything to look out for? Yes. Uh, first off, like Casey mentioned earlier, the coaching tracker. If your team is in the market of looking for a new head coach and you want to learn more about the candidates, I have a little written breakdown for each of them. Also have a 49ers offseason primer that was so good it was banned from Reddit. So check that out if you have time. <laughs> uh, then then you hear this. There'll be a scouting breakdown on Devonta Smith, Alabama wide receiver who I'm just going to assume wins the Heisman. They're about to announce that in 10 minutes or so. But he's going to win the Heisman, I'm sure. So that'll be up tomorrow. And then probably next Monday or Tuesday after the National Championship game, a scouting report on Trey Sermon, who's been kicking ass for the Buckeyes. Nice. Looking forward to that. And you can find all of this at weeklyspiral.com. We have recently revamped the website. It's really dope. Check it out find Durgan's band article and how <laughs> awesome that is. It's so awesome that Reddit wouldn't wouldn't even accept it. But check that out, weeklyspiral.com. We greatly appreciate it. This has been a Weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you for sticking with us and tuning in to episode 72. We hope you enjoy the super wild card weekend. Casey, is that what it's called? We're going with that? Best, yeah, you made me throw up on my mouth. <laughs> okay, that's fair. We hope you enjoy it and, and uh, the start to the playoffs as much as we will. And we will catch you next week for episode 73.